Welcome everyone to another episode of Vino with Pino, the podcast where we talk about wine and sharing your life with a dog. In my case, Pino Pup. We recently celebrated Pino's adoption day. It was her gotcha day on July 4th. I've had her for a whole year and I can't even really describe what that's been like. One, it feels like way longer than a year. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we've been through a lot of changes. And at the end of the day, she's my rock. So I love it. My other rock throughout this crazy year has been, well, wine and yoga. So puppies, wine, and yoga. Pretty basic, but I think I took that a little bit farther than basic with getting my W. SET level one and two certifications, which I finally have both my results and I've officially passed level one and two. So yay. Cheers. This week we, well, I have another Sauvignon Blanc from Marlborough, New Zealand. And honestly, it was what was open in the fridge. I didn't want to open another bottle when I had three fourths of a bottle currently open. I don't believe in wasting wine and I didn't want to just open a bottle for this podcast. I know we've talked about New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs. I know we've talked about Sauvignon Blancs from the Willow Valley and Sincere. But what I guess I wanted to talk about a little bit more is buying wine. And the reason I have this Sauvignon Blanc in particular and the one I'll be drinking today is the Criterion Sauvignon Blanc from Marlborough, New Zealand. This is the 2020 Vintage. It's super fun. It has a cute teal label and then it has like a profile which has the style, aroma, flavor, and a pairing that they suggest, which is super cute. And I actually love when wines put pairing on the back of them because you can generalize, but sometimes it's fun. But I think that the most important thing about wine is that it's completely opinion-based. Yes, there are like sweet is not a friend of wine. Like, salt and acid are friends of wine. Sweet and umami are not. Like, there are technical food and wine pairings that you memorize when you do these certifications, but the number one rule is preference. The person's preference matters more than whatever the rule is, and I'm using air quotes here for that. But the reason why I have this particular wine is that Whole Foods had this particular wine in one of their, like, sale buckets. They were selling this wine for $13 a bottle. Now, New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs have recently been skyrocketing as an exaggeration, but they used to be really affordable. And in recent, in the recent like year or two, I've noticed the price really hike up more into the 17, 18s. So whenever I see a Mardia, Mar, wow, words, Marlborough, Sauvignon Blanc that's under $15, I always buy it because I know that I like that wine. I know that my preferred price range for wine is that $13 to $15 range. Wine doesn't last very long usually in my house, so I don't really want to spend more than $15 on a bottle unless it's a special occasion or a wine that I really wanted to try but my everyday drinking wine, like, that's my price range. So, I bought three of them, and 
I wanted a drink the other day, so I opened it, and this is a screw top, which makes it super easy to just pop back in the fridge for another day. I love a screw top. I had my little screw top ramp in the past, so you can go check that one out. But yeah, I think that people are snobs sometimes about wine, and if you find something you like and you find something in your price range, go for it. Like, who? you don't need to drink a different wine every night. If you fall in love with something and it's sustainable financially or you see something that's fun and you love, go for it. It then allows you to be a little bit more loose with your purse strings another night when you see a really interesting bottle of wine. But yes, so I'm going to drink this. It's also super refreshing and while it's 106 here, we're in like a cold spout over the yes, 106 is a little bit of a cold spout right now in Arizona, which is a sad thing to say. But it was like 96 this morning and we were sitting on the patio and it was really pleasant. <laughs> I had a moment of when in my life did I ever think that 96 was going to be a really pleasant temperature, but it was. And this wine is really refreshing. So I want this wine. <laughs> End of rant of I guess feeling a little guilty that I've now drank Sauvignon Blanc three times on this podcast. But the heat leads us into our conversation about dogs and what to do with dogs in the summertime, in the heat. It's a lot easier if you're on the East Coast because the temperatures are just not as hot. But here in Arizona, We had like 10 days straight where it was 117 degrees. This means that I get up, well, now I get up at 7, but you get up with the sun. 5.30, 6 o'clock, if you want to take your dog for a walk, you have to beat the sun. And it's not just the outside temperature, but it's the pavement temperature. There was a TikTok recently that I sent to like my whole family where it was 117 degrees in Arizona. And they took a temperature gun and the sidewalk at 12 p.m. was 140 degrees. Or it was like, yeah, 140, I think it was. It may have been 150 or 160, but that's an absurd heat level. Like your dog will burn its paws walking on that. But dogs need to go outside to go to the bathroom. You need exercise. So what do you do? What I've done is I get up early. Right now, we get up around 7. It's usually 85 degrees. We walk one mile. We used to walk two and a half miles every morning. So I've shortened the distance. And there's this little, like, outdoor mall right across the street from us. So instead of walking on the path in more of the neighborhood area, we walk the other way and we go into the shopping center which has more distractions so that's harder for Pino to stay in a heel and it's good training but also it's completely covered so the sidewalk has like a little mini roof I don't know trellis of plants covering it so it's protected from the sun because I'm getting up at seven o'clock instead of 5 30 so the sun has been out and up But this part is protected, and we walk around that, so shorter distance of time, covered pavement, and then for her lunchtime potty break outside, 
I either just stick to this tiny area that is completely covered by the overhang of our building, or she wears booties. And then by five o'clock, luckily, the dog park area, which is turf, has been in the shade for enough hours that the turf has returned to an okay temperature. It's actually cool. And then at night, the, her last walk is like 10.30, and by that time, all of the pavement has cooled enough for her to walk on it. So, she wears her booties in the middle of the day, or I just stick to this one very small area. It kind of just depends on how long she's going to be alone after that time period, because sometimes I work a really long shift, and I'll take her out at like 10 a.m., and she's going to be home alone for six, seven hours. So then I like to give her a little bit more of a walk. So she is a little bit, well, she gets to stretch her legs, sniff a little bit more, but also has like the chance to poop and pee. It's a dog podcast. We can't not talk about poop, but yes, I give her the time to kind of do that. So other things that we do, I have a cooling bandana for her. It's a bandana that's made of a special material. So it evaporates slower which goes on her neck. And then she also has a cooling vest that covers her whole back and most importantly, her stomach. The most important parts for a dog to cool, if you're taking your dog out and they're really hot, heat stroke is deadly. So please watch for signs before your dog gets to heat stroke. But the main areas are their armpits, their genitals, their underbelly, and their paws keeping their back cool isn't really going to help them. Like if you just pour water down their spine, doesn't do much for them. But if you pour it, like pour that water onto your hands and then pat it under their armpits and everything, the reason that I like the cooling vest is that Pino is a black dog. So yes, the water on the top of her doesn't necessarily help too much or nearly as much as the water that's on her stomach and her sides. The cooling vest is made of a similar material as the cooling bandana, so it takes a few hours to evaporate, and you can just pour more water on it, and it shields her for the sun, and it evaporates the water into her body, so it's continuously cooling her. But, yeah, these are all the tools that we use. We don't go hiking in the summer. We don't go on long walks. We don't do a lot of things. What I will do sometimes with her, if it's a cooler day, like yesterday, it got to 102 was the high. So we took her with us to dinner because there's a few restaurants around us where she can eat indoors. I had her wear her booties to the restaurant because we had to walk on the pavement and we had to walk across the street. So we had to walk on asphalt, which is black, which is hotter than the pavement. And once we got to the restaurant, Then I took her booties off for dinner because we were on a cement flooring inside with the AC. And afterwards, then I put her booties back on to walk her home. The big caveat here is that the booties are a great thing to prevent the paws from burning, which take a really long time to heal. So you don't want your dog's paws to burn, but dogs release heat through their paws. So a booty isn't a solution to taking your dog on that 9 a.m. walk that you would usually take because there's still a high chance that they'll overheat if it's too hot out, even if they're wearing booties, because they release heat by panting and through their paws. And when you have the booties on, they can't release the heat through their paws. So they're a good short-term solution. 
aka walking to a restaurant, doing a lap around the building to go to the bathroom, but they're not an absolution of, well, if my dog's wearing booties, I can walk them whenever I want. And I recently learned that in Arizona, you can get a ticket for not having booties on your dog if it's over a certain degree. I think it's 100 because they want to protect the pups from burning their paws. But yeah, so people are asking what we do. We spend a lot of time doing indoor things. I'm working right now on scent training with Pino, and that's where she finds a certain scent, alerts me to it, and then she gets a treat. So we do a bunch of scent work. We do a different form of scent work in that I will like scatter her breakfast all throughout a room or roll it up in a towel or just like spread it out in different ways or throw her whole breakfast in her toy bin and she has to forage for it. So things that make her meals about snipping and foraging and finding things because that exhausts their brain. We do a lot of place work, P-L-A-C-E. So she has to lie on the cot and she can fall asleep. She can cuddle up, like whatever, but she just can't get up from that space. It's equally as hard for a dog to do nothing and stay in one place than it is for them to run miles. So her in place for an hour is kind of like the equivalent of her running two miles because it's working her it's working her brain. I try to balance out walking a little bit less with more mental stimulation for her throughout the day. I also do things like give her her meals in a snuffle mat as opposed to a towel, or we give her little enrichment games, licky mats, things like that. We also play some like tug of war and fetch with her throughout the day. She gets little bursts of energy. And then we always, 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 and I say we because my cousin's been living with me and she helps me, you know, make sure that she plays with Pinot too. She checks the water bowl. But what I was going to say is we always make sure that her water bowl is completely full. And then every time we come back from inside, she gets an ice cube or two or like a little I make froyo for her with blueberries, strawberries and non-fat Greek yogurt. And when we come back from our walk, oh, the last thing I have for summer stuff is I have a cooling mat. It's gel and it's activated by pressure. I put it on one of her place cots. So when we come back from our morning walk, I have her go to place on the bed that has the cooling mat to help lower her body temperature, continue kind of that mental exercise after physical exercise, and then I make my breakfast while she's there. So she cools down, takes a breath, takes a minute, and the cooling pad helps just bring her body temperature down slowly. If your dog, God forbid, does get heat stroke, you don't want to immerse them in freezing water. You don't want to cool them down too quickly because that can cause shock. So just different things that we do, giving her her space. You know, if we ever are spending time on the patio, my cousin and I like to have our coffee out there in the morning. Our west-facing patio isn't very hot until about 10 a.m., so we usually go out there. But I have a water bowl out there. We always bring her cold water every morning to be just to have out there if she wants it and then we always leave the door slightly open so that she could go inside and she does she'll you know sit with us for a little bit explore and then she'll go inside and rest and then she'll come check us out and so always just giving her the option if we're gonna spend time outside giving her an option for to go inside when she's too hot and she takes it which tells me that you know sometimes it it's okay for me and it's not for her. But yeah, so we don't hike in the summer. Hiking is a big reason why we stayed here, but these few months are no bueno for the hiking. 
and we both have our own ways of cooling off. She's obsessed with ice cubes, which is great. She also gets lots of fruits that are water nutrient, such as cucumbers and watermelon, blueberries. Blueberries are actually the best snack you can feed your dog. They have a million antioxidants, and they're really good for their, their bones, and then they help fight potential cancers in dogs. So she gets lots of blueberries. I can make a whole nother podcast on all the little snacks I make for her. I've actually found that it's way cheaper for me to make my own snacks for her. I only buy her freeze-dried raw salmon treats and then everything else I make. It's actually a lot cheaper that way, but yes, that can be another podcast. All right, well, cheers everyone. Buy the wine you want when you want it. Don't waste your wine just for the sake of something arbitrary and keep your dogs cool. Cheers. Have a good one. Say goodbye, Pino.